What is up, you guys, and welcome into the newest episode of Entertainment Purposes Only. This will, of course, be the Week 6 recap show. Uh, weren't able to do a Week 6 preview show. I was under the weather, still am a little bit, so, uh, you know, this has a lot of sort of jump cuts in the video. It's probably because I'm having a coughing fit or blowing my nose or something. But anyway, we're powering through it. Uh, don't want any credit for that. You know, again, I'm no hero. That's the troops and the first responders. I'm just here trying to provide a show. I missed you guys, though. Really wish we could have ended up doing that preview show. Probably could have made you guys some scratch, but we'll get into the picks later. But of course, before we get started, like always, thank you to our good friends over at Arbitrage Racing. They provided this green screen for us here so you can see our beautiful logo plastered all over the place. And uh, like I said, Best stable in the digital horse racing game. I had some friends over on Sunday watching Red Zone with me, and they were like, what does that mean? Best stable in the digital horse racing game. You keep saying that. No one knows what it means. Guys, I don't know how to make it any more clear. There's a digital horse racing world out there. You buy horses, raise them up, have them breed with other horses, and then they do races, and then uh, the winners are compensated for it. Like I don't know what else to tell you. And they're the best at it. Go follow them at Arbitrage Racing on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, a lot of you are telling on yourselves, asking me where the where the preview show was last week. You're telling on yourselves that you're not following at EPOCFB, which is the Twitter page for the show. Because that's where I posted. I'm sorry, I'm under the weather. Not going to be able to do a to do a preview show this week, but here are, you know, written out my thoughts on the big games this week, along with my picks. And yeah, those of you who follow, you know, if you don't shame on you, get to Twitter or X as Elon's calling it now at EPOCFB. It's where we're going to be uh, posting a lot of stuff for the show online. So get there as well. All right. Into the games. Great slate. Great slate this week. Uh, where else can you start except for Red River? The Red River shootout, Texas, Oklahoma. Texas was a six and a half point favorite. <clears throat> Big question going in was okay, Oklahoma's look good, but they haven't played anybody. What does that mean? Well, it can mean one of two things either they're fraudulent because they haven't played anybody, or they're still really good and they just haven't had to show a lot of their stuff yet. And it looks like that's what happened. Dylan Gabriel was on fire for Oklahoma. Great game, throwing and running. And uh, at the end, that was too much for Texas. Texas didn't play their A game. It seems Oklahoma did. I feel like Oklahoma played better. They deserved to win this game. If they played this game 10 times, I don't know that Oklahoma would win it more than five. But in that one game sample size, they deserved to win. Uh I think we'll probably see this game again in the Big 12 championship. Now, the Big 12s might be trying to do everything they can to not let that happen since those two are, are, of course, leaving for the SEC next season. But I don't really see a way that those two aren't facing off again in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. But we'll see. I hope we get to see it because, I mean, if we get another game like that, sign me up. Uh, As far as how the game was decided... I think Sarkeesian turtled there at the end. It was a tie game. A minute and change left. He had an opportunity. 
get a first down here on, I believe it was a third and six, and they could run the clock all the way down before kicking a field goal. Or he just decided to hand the ball off, get a few yards, get to the middle of the field, kick the field goal there, go up three, giving the ball back to Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma, and the rest is history. They went right down the field, scored the touchdown. It was pretty clear to me at that point, both defenses were spent. Pretty much whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. That's why I'm surprised Sarkeesian sort of turtled up there at the end. If he had to do it back, he would have put the ball in Ewer's hands, let him get that first down, run the clock out, win the game. But as it went, he trusted his kicker, who made the kick, trusted his defense, and it came back to bite him. So we'll see. I'll say this too. I've seen enough over the last several years of this game Going to a Red River shootout, that's on my bucket list now. That can be a fun off-season episode. We'll go through, you know, bucket lists of things you want to go to, things you want to do. Red River's on there now. Looks like an awesome atmosphere, always. These neutral site games typically are. Uh, yeah, And especially if it's a good game, it just looks off the charts. So, again, hope to see him play again in December with playoff implications on the line. We'll see, but congrats to Oklahoma. Congrats to Venables. They deserved it in that one, and uh, we'll see where both teams go from here. Great game, though. LSU-Missouri going on the same time, also a noon game. LSU was favored by six and a half. I said in the tweet that I love the over on that one. Um, Overhead easily. It was 49-39 LSU was the final. Insane game. I honestly feel like both teams probably left that game feeling like they should have won by 17 points. Uh, Missouri sort of dominates the first half. LSU dominates the second half and end up getting that win. Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the SEC. I said it after last week's loss to Ole Miss, but he just proved it even more in this one. I mean, the guy's just a baller. He's like one of those five-star recruits you get on the video game where he can run like a running back, not get tired, and also throw like a great quarterback. He's a special player. And as bad as the defense is, and it is bad, particularly the secondary, Jaden's going to keep him in every game. As long as he can stay healthy, they're going to be in every game because every time they go out on the field, I'm expecting a touchdown from LSU. He's really good. I think Missouri's still a top 25 team. Uh, LSU is a much more talented team than them and were able to get the win. But, uh, you know, Missouri's playing well. They're playing good football, and they're a dangerous team for any of the contenders who are left on their schedule this year. Bama a and I don't know what was in the water in Texas this week, but those Texas coaches – they sort of cost their team the game by being conservative. You know, Jimbo has a fourth and one on the Bama 45 and decides to punt the ball, and that was sort of the game. I think they go for that, it's a different game. But Bama gets the win 26-20. Everybody sort of wrote Bama off when they lost to Texas. Since then, they beat Ole Miss, beat A&M on the road. It's going to come down to probably LSU or Tennessee to beat them, guys. And if not, they're going to be right back there in Atlanta for the SEC championship with a playoff berth on the line. Simple as that. And as we saw a couple years ago, they get into Atlanta with that situation, even if they're not as good a team as the other team, even if they're looking terrible going in, 
they can flip the switch for a game and get it done. And that's, as a Georgia fan, that's sort of terrifying. So I'm hoping either LSU or Tennessee can knock them off because playing a desperate Bama is always a scary thing. But at this point, I think they're going to finish 11-1. and one. We'll see. Long way to go. But, I mean, I think at College Station in Texas A&M was their toughest test they had left. From now, I, I think they find a way. Jalen Milrow just sort of muscles his way to those wins. And, again, they don't have to win by 20 every week. They can just win by one. They'll be in that situation. I think that's what they're going to do. Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia was favored by 14 and a half. I said in my game notes that I tweeted, I think this is going to be the game Georgia wakes up. They're going to win. They're going to cover. That's what happened. Best game Georgia's played this year by a mile. By a mile. They were one of the slowest starting teams in the country statistically as far as having bad first quarters, you know, taking a while to get up and get into the game. They scored on their first six possessions in this game. Carson Beck looked as good as anybody in the country at quarterback. I mean, the crowd was electric. Kentucky flying high off. They were able to bully ball Florida. Weren't able to do that to Georgia, obviously. If Beck plays like that, Georgia's the best team in the country. Big if. But if he plays like that going forward, I don't see anybody being able to beat Georgia this year. But long way to go. We'll see. They're at Vandy next week, then the off week, and then the season really gets cranked up in two weeks when they go to Jacksonville. Florida's down this year, but that's one of those neutral site games. Crazy things can happen. Then after that, home versus Missouri, home versus Ole Miss, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech, then presumably the SEC championship. Uh, So, again, just get through, stay healthy against Vandy this week, go into your bye week, and come out guns blazing after the bye week for the home stretch of the season. Notre Dame at Louisville. I said in my game notes, I tweeted, this is Louisville's Super Bowl, and it's Notre Dame's letdown spot. I didn't make a pick on this one, because Notre Dame, I thought was and probably still is a better team, but just with tough spot like that, you never really know. Louisville took it to them. 33-20 was 33-13 with a few minutes left. Notre Dame scoring a garbage-time touchdown to cut the lead to 13 for Louisville. They've wanted Jeff Brown back there for years now, him to go home, take over the program. He has. And in uh, year one, it's paying dividends. 6-0 for Louisville. Sets up an interesting scenario in the ACC. See, I'm so sick I don't even have a water cup this time. Coke Zero to help the throat. But ACC... You got Florida State undefeated. You got North Carolina undefeated. You got Louisville undefeated. None of those teams play each other. It's unlikely, but what if you have three undefeated teams out of the ACC? One of them's going to get left out. Game I wasn't a couple games here. I wasn't expecting to have to talk about in this wrap up. Arizona at USC. USC stinks. but they're undefeated. But their schedule hasn't really gotten going yet. Last three weeks, they've played three of probably the worst five teams in that conference of Pac-12. They've won by 14, 7, and 2. I mean, 
They got Notre Dame this week. Fascinating game. Notre Dame licking their wounds after the Notre Dame bought after the Louisville loss. USC just hasn't looked good really since the Stanford game. We'll see. Now, I'm going to go ahead and call my shot here. Baylor's going to fire Dave Aranda at some point this season. I think what Lincoln Riley needs to do is go out and hire Dave Aranda to be his defensive coordinator at USC. Dave Aranda has won a national championship as a defensive coordinator. On that Joe Burrow LSU team, Dave Aranda was the defensive coordinator there. They weren't a stifling shutdown defense, but when you take into account what the offense was on that team, they were a pretty dang good defense. And that's the sort of offense Lincoln Riley's going to have, presumably scoring a lot of points. You just got to have a defense that will get enough stops to let the offense do their thing. I think Dave Aranda can provide that. So something to keep an eye on. If that happens, I'll be referencing this episode saying I called it back in October. Georgia Tech at Miami. You all know what's coming here. You all know what happened at the end of that game. If you're living under a rock, Miami's up three. Under 40 seconds left. Georgia Tech has no timeouts. Anyone who has ever played a football video game knows that when that's the case, all you have to do is take a knee and the game's over. So all they have to do, that's all Mario Cristobal has to do, that is not what Mario Cristobal does. He says, now we're just going to hand the ball off. Well, this is the epitome of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. His running back fumbles. Georgia Tech recovers it. <clears throat> Stupidity, like you read about. You can't defend what he did. But at this point, okay, they still got to go like 74 yards with no timeouts with like 30 seconds left. What's the worst that can happen, really? What, Haynes King is going to score a touchdown on us? And that? Yeah, that's what happened. Incompletion, long pass down the sideline, spike the ball, next play with 10 seconds left, scrambles out, chunks it towards the end zone, guy running wide open, touchdown. So you know, if you're Miami, you hire Mario Cristobal before the 2022 season to be your head coach. You know exactly what you're getting. The guy is going to build up your roster. He's a phenomenal recruiter. But his in-game management stuff, just big, dumb, meathead coach football stuff, is so bad. Now, in this day and age in college football, it's no secret. We all know, first and foremost, it's a talent acquisition business that goes for recruiting and for your staff. He's great at that. But remember what I told you guys back in week two. He had Justin Herbert for three years at Oregon. Great talent acquisition. You watch Justin Herbert at Oregon, very rarely did he pop off the screen to you. You watch Justin Herbert with the Chargers now, he's popping off the screen every single Sunday. That dude's a freak. Talent acquisition business. He's great at talent acquisition. With Mario Cristobal, 
I don't think it's worth it. Because you're at Miami. That's a program with a rich history. I believe they've won five national titles. And that's the goal for them. Their goal is to win national titles. He's not going to do it. I don't care how good of a roster he has. With that sort of game management, that sort of stupidity, he's not going to be able to get that done. This is not the first time this has happened to him. When he was at Oregon, he lost a game to Stanford doing the same thing. And he still hasn't learned. You can't have it. You can't have it. You can't have it. If I'm in charge of Miami, I'm firing him based off this game. Can't win with it. Can't have it. He's proven time and time again he can't get out of his way in close games. Some guys grow out of it. I was very critical of Kirby Smart early in his tenure at Georgia. He would do really stupid stuff, but he's learned from it. And now he's a good in-game coach. Mario Cristobal has been a head coach for long enough. That Tiger ain't changing his stripes. I would cut my losses now if I'm Miami. Still be left with a decent roster if they don't all transfer. Get a guy in there who knows what he's doing. So, going into this week, a lot of chirping from you guys. Oh, you're giving out all these against the spread picks every week and you stink at this. Wow. I told you guys, we've had a lot of bad luck. And eventually, it's going to turn around. Plus, every season, September's for learning. You're going to find out what you have. Once October, November hit, that's winning time. Well, this week, how's 14-5-1 for winning time? I say again, this is not just picking games who's going to win. Against the spread. 14, 5, and 1. Liberty, minus 19 and a half on Thursday. That was a loss. They won by like 6. Bad pick. Hit a little twofer on Friday night. Oklahoma State versus Kansas State. We had Oklahoma State plus 11 and a half. They won outright. And under 54 and a half. There were only 50 points scored in the game. That's two winners. So we're 2 and 1 heading into Saturday. All right, let's get this thing going. Texas minus six and a half. They lost to Oklahoma. That honestly could have maybe should have been a winner, but what are you going to do? I won't say should have. Could have been a winner. Shouldn't have been a winner. Over 59 and a half in Texas, Oklahoma. That's a winner. It's 34-30. That's 64. That's more than 59 and a half. Maryland plus 20 versus Ohio State. That was our push. Maryland was winning for a lot of that game, or tied for a lot of that game. Then when Ohio State turned it on, it was just too much. They win 37-17. That's exactly 20. That's a push. What we did do is I got that sort of spidey sense. When I've got a winner and I see it slipping away, I can sort of tell it's coming. So we went and gave out during that game, a live play 
of Ohio State minus 17.5. So there was a chance we'd middle it, but we couldn't lose both of those. Ohio State wins by 20, so we push on the original plus 20, but we win on the live play minus 17.5. Rutgers plus 14, they were playing Wisconsin. They lost 24-13, that's 11 points. That's a winner. Rutgers also got inside the five-yard line and threw a 96-yard interception return for a touchdown. So it should have been way closer than even 11. But luckily, they still kept it within the 14. We got that winner. LSU-Missouri over 64.5. Already talked about that. Easy winner. There were 88 points scored in the game. LSU minus 5.5. Look, maybe didn't deserve that one. But like I said, after the bad luck we had throughout September... I'm not going to apologize for a winner, even if it did come with a pick six with under a minute left. Iowa minus two and a half. I'm thankful this game was on Peacock because if anybody actually watched it, your eyes would probably be bleeding. But they beat Purdue 20 to 14. Another winner. You guys know how much I love the Ohio Bobcats. They were playing Kent State. They were minus 26. We took Ohio, like always. Very slow start. They win by 25. What are you going to... 10 times out of 10, I would make that same play again. Clemson minus 20. Thought they'd figured things out against Syracuse. They come back home versus Wake Forest. Look putrid. They win by... What was it? 17 to 12? Something like that? I don't know. Was never close to a cover. Kansas minus two. At kickoff, the line had switched to Kansas plus two. Because, again, Jalen Daniels was out. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to hedge out of that. I trust my guy Jason Bean, backup quarterback for Kansas. He's going to get this thing done. And he did. Kansas rolled UCF. Winner. Colorado minus four should have been a winner for us. They're up by seven against putrid Arizona State. They let Arizona State go the length of the field on them to score a game-tying touchdown. Then just to rub the salt in the wound, not even give us a chance to cover in overtime, they get in field goal range at the end and kick the game-winning field goal. So they win by three. Dion four and two, by the way. Remember what I said? They win a bowl game. Or get to a bowl game. He's coach of the year in my eyes. Only needs two more. They still got Stanford and Arizona on the schedule. Arizona's looking pretty good. Stanford, go and chalk that one up as a win. We'll see. Now, let's just close out the card with, I don't know, five winners. Georgia minus 14. Easy. Just being a Georgia fan for this long, had that gut feeling they were going to wake up for this one. Big home night game. Kentucky's typically a good matchup for Georgia. They like to play sort of the same styles, and of course Georgia just has better players. So, Good time for Carson Beck to have the best game of his career too. Michigan minus 19. They keep hanging these teens and low 20s numbers for Michigan. Going to keep taking them. Harbaugh and the boys, they're just smashing people. They did it again. Easy winner. Texas Tech was playing Baylor. It was a pick'em. We took Texas Tech. 
Baylor, like we said earlier, they're going to be firing their coach at some point eventually. I couldn't believe that line. By the time the game kicked off, it was close to Texas Tech minus three. We got it at a pick em. Easy winner. The aforementioned Georgia Tech-Miami game. The complete and utter nonsense that happened at the end of that game had no effect on our Georgia Tech plus 21. That thing was never in doubt throughout the whole game. And Wyoming plus six, I don't care if you're Fresno State and you have the second longest winning streak in the country, you do not simply walk into Laramie, Wyoming and come out with a victory. We had six points to play with. Wyoming won outright. No problem. 14-5-1. We're now 500 on the year. I told you guys. Been doing this for like the last five college football seasons. Every time we've come out in the positives, I begged you to stick with me. I'm willing to bet most of you didn't. You gave up. You didn't believe. To quote Dion, do you believe now? Do you believe now? 14-5-1. Anyway. We'll have our uh, week seven preview show coming up later on this week. I'm going to go watch the Braves. So, see y'all. Thanks for hanging out. See you next time.